0: This is the Bedford Blues Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Bedford Blues Podcast, another instalment with which to fill your ears. For this episode, we've come slightly north in the town to Wentworth Drive. We are the home of Bedford Athletic, a venue for the Bedford Blues half-term development camps, which are currently going on outside. Uh, The wind and the rain is sweeping through uh, Wentworth Drive, and uh, the kids are still out there enjoying themselves, I think. Uh, They're currently going on, uh, but joining me for a chat inside, in the warm... In a week where there's been a huge amount of news affecting the Championship, are two of Bedford Blues' most favourite players. There we go. Uh, Rye Smiles, both of them. Uh, both silky smooth Max, both ready to try and discuss all things Blues at the moment. Delighted they could join me. Welcome to the Bedford Blues podcast, Matt Walley and Richard Lane. Hello chaps. Cheers. Hello Sam Yeah, there. absolutely. The excitement is palpable. I can see. It's, I can sense. it's absolutely. to be here. Uh, so first of all, I think we kind of start here. You look out the, you look outside and, and and look at that rugby that's going on. I mean, this is um, this is where it all begins. Does it does it make you think of when you were this age and and and, and pelting around here, Rich? Um, so when I was six, just to the right of us, actually over there, a young,
1: very untanned Rich Lane, rocked up with his dad um, and a load of us boys from Podham School um, for a load of touch rugby on Sundays. Um, so yeah, I was here until I was about 12 years old. Um, went off to went off to boarding school, so stopped stopped it here. But yeah, it was a great great time. Sort of dad and I going all around the country, um, various tournaments and stuff. So yeah, I mean it's miserable weather. I much rather be in here where we are than out there now. But um, yeah, some good memories from
0: back here. We'll, we'll talk to the kids maybe a little bit later. Take you two out there and see if uh, see if they see what they make of you. Quite <laughs> frankly, but but Matt, where, where did you sort of start playing rugby? Well, I was going to say
2: this is the complete opposite of what I did when I was growing up playing. Uh, we were in the sun, the heat, uh, still pretty t- uh, pale—not tanned, never tanned—still pretty pale. Um, but yeah, this is very different to what I was used to. Playing in Hong Kong, um, we didn't. We train on the artificial grass, same as this, but um, no rain, no wind, never cold. So it's actually quite enjoyable to
0: train at a young age, <laughs> uh, but it is kind of part of it all. It's getting to know and love this game to a certain extent. Getting out there, getting freezing cold, soaking wet, but still running around. And you can see the kids. I mean, they they don't want to come inside. They they're, they're keen to get out there and do their stuff.
1: Yeah, I think we just did a Q and A about half an hour ago, and here with the kids. And most of the questions were, "Can we get back outside?"
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like you said, it's kind of. The memories of real muddy sitting on a towel in in Dad's car, going back home for you know a Sunday roast after training, and you know flying into the mud, which now is probably the opposite of what you what we enjoy. But um, yeah, when you're young, you're just flying into it, jumping in puddles, probably an absolute nightmare for the parents. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. You sort of, like you said, where you kind of make friends and you know learn your your basic skills of rugby and just generally get tired out, so you sleep at night, I suppose.
0: The rugby you play now, have you always played that sort of rugby? Have you always gravitated towards running free and enjoying your pace, Matt? Is um, that something that's always been the case for you? Yeah, definitely. I think in Hong Kong, because
2: they're not the biggest of people down there, um, so they encouraged a running, skillful game, of which is probably better for me as opposed to um, some of the forwards in our team. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite nice to play a very similar style here as what we grew up with, I'd say. Um, I tell you, when I was in Paris, though, it was complete opposite. It was conditions like this, and it was just round the corner, hit it up, all the big blokes. So three years of rugby, I didn't as enjoy as much as I do now.
0: Because I am going to say, January, February, maybe even early March, for the outside backs, you know, this is a time to, you know, it's get, get the shorts out, the, you know, have the pockets in them, and, yeah. you know, sort of keep keep yourself warm out there. It's yeah. the double skins. Yeah, the double, double skins, skins come
1: definitely. out, and the questions of why do I do this, most January and February probably come around again. And then as long as you can get through, normally you get through March, spring's sort of here, and you're like, You know, we can play a bit of running rugby again. Everything's all right in the world. But yeah, those couple of dark
0: months, it is a bleak place. Um, It's a a new, relatively new, artificial uh, pitch up here at Bedford Ath, which is obviously coming to its own in conditions like this. Um, Is there anything positive to say about artificial pitches in in conditions like this? I mean, obviously, they they play a little bit of a a part. Are you fans at all of of artificial pitches?
1: On the whole, personally, not really. Um, But yeah, like you said, this time of year, the, the argument is you know, they don't churn up like normal pitches do, you can, you can play a faster brand of rugby, which for the supporters and, you know, for us boys is, is a positive, but it's sort of the, the layers of skin they rip off and the weeping stuff that you get for the weeks afterwards and and things like that. So on the whole, I'm not really a fan, but you know, settings like this where community use it all the time and, you know, obviously if you do that on grass, it quickly becomes a mud bath. So yeah, I think there's definitely place for them, but. I'm not a huge fan of them.
0: You, you were down at, on, on one against Ealing, uh, Matt. The um, Is there a is there a school of thought that suggests that it gives the home side a little bit of an advantage? Is there a slightly different bounce? Is there a slightly different feel to, to playing on a synthetic surface?
2: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I grew up just playing on that um, as the space pretty limited for grass in Hong Kong. So, personally, I prefer artificial pitches. Um, however... I've noticed now I uh, get tackled a bit more and I've started to dislike them as, yeah, Lena said, the skin that comes off, um, but I do think there's a, it encourages a different type of game, like the ball bounces more, you can play a quicker game because you're not getting stuck in the, the mud or sliding all over the place, so I definitely feel it gives an advantage to, uh, to I guess... The you just have
1: to double your bedsheets, don't you, because you get stuck to them and constantly yeah, changing yeah, those. It is horrible.
0: Um, Ealing uh, the game uh, most recently uh, what was a loss uh, and, and obviously a relatively painful one I'm sure for every professional sportsman losing is not something you want to do. That said uh, Blues at the moment seem to be in a much better shape um, as though they were in 2019. It's a question I've asked a couple of different players and, and management. Um, can you give me an idea as to why that might be? I mean, sport is such a fragile balance, isn't it, really? And and, and to, to sort of find that happening and we're almost being heckled there by other members of the app. But but talk us through why that might be. What, what what happened on January the 1st, 2020? I think it's a tough one, isn't it? It's
1: I think it's maybe a knock-on from probably the longest pre-season a lot of boys have ever had. Um so it's one of them where you can Obviously, it's good for your fitness and stuff, but there's only so much, really, you can do with that. Um, Yeah, so I think um, we probably lost our identity, I would say, in the early start of this season. I don't think you could hang your hat on anything we did particularly well, or we were trying to do a bit of everything. Um, Obviously, a lot of frustration, and it was sort of trying to find the answers, and it sort of ended with, we had a senior players meeting about 10 of us maybe got together in sort of a local coffee shop away from the club and just said you know ultimately responsibility is on us to put it right you know we're the ones that's they're out there sometimes looking looking stupid losing and I think that Ealing game when we got absolutely hammered was a real sort of point of where you know we've got to come together and we've got to fix this as a group um, and probably those guys that have watched us in 2020 you know, we've probably played a much more pragmatic game I think Will hooley has been massive with sort of leading that, um, you know, I guess you get caught up in Bedford Blues, you know, you think about them, they play from everywhere, exciting brand, and I think, yes, we all want to do that, especially as backs, we want to do that more than anyone, but um, there's time and a place for that, and it's sort of where we were as a team, confidence pretty really low, it was like, right, let's just reduce as many errors as we can, because we know when we get it right, we can still beat anyone in the league, so how do we... Not play a boring style, but let's just for the next month or whatever it was at the time, we're going to kick more, we're going to not play an our own half, we're going to reduce the chances of errors. Um, and it was just a case of rolling our sleeves up, getting a bit niggly. And I think we all felt as soon as the first win came that that was probably a big turning point for us. Um, obviously, the amateur Boxing Day again was hugely disappointing, massive day for the club. You know, we boys, you know, gave it everything, but got the loss and um, yeah like I said that first win ultimately was probably the catalyst for we are you know we're not a bad team we haven't become a bad team overnight we've got real good players in the room we spoke a lot about you know well I myself you know you say oh we lost a lot of big players but ultimately you look at who's come in who's like the boys that stepped up it's not really an excuse you know we've signed real good players guys that have come in you know sort of hidden gems almost like Oscar Hersky-Douglas in the centres you know, probably come from uni and being a bit of a revelation there, especially sort of 2020. So, um, yeah, it was just confidence thing. And, you know, like I said, again, once we got one or two wins, we were on a bit of a roll and spoke again about giving back to the fans that come, especially at home games. You know, we get unbelievable crowds for this for this league, you know, two and a half, three thousand most games. Um, ultimately, we're in a much better place now. You know, like you said, we sort of disappointed loss against Ealing. But if you look at where we were when we played them last down there, you know, we conceded a lot less points. It was a miserable day. Boys, you know, defending the weekend. You know, I, I wasn't there, but it was a much better shift from the lads defensively. Um, and I think as we go into, we've got Doncaster next. I think everyone's full of confidence, loves playing at home, trying to make it a bit of a fortress for the rest of this year.
0: The sport is a very unusual thing. And sometimes it, it, little moments, and I'm going to bring you back to about three minutes against Coventry, and little moments where sport can sometimes take something from you, but then immediately give you a chance. I'm going to actually focus on you, and I think I know you know what I'm going to say. There was a a three minute period where it didn't go for you, and then you immediately got the opportunity in which to try and make amends, and and it worked out. Uh, Talk us through (laughs) what what happened there, because I mean... Talk us through. (laughs) I mean, I'll spare your blushes, because the weekend actually showed that whatever level of rugby you are, Stuart Hogg was, was fumbling the ball over the line. Every, it happens to every single rugby player. Talk us through your mental processes, again, in that sort of three minutes against Coventry, if you don't mind, Matt <laughs> Um I kind of knew this was coming. Well, uh, it, but it's, it's, I think for the fans, it's, it's fascinating because we kind of lived it with you. We kind of yeah. saw that. We were as gutted we as all anyone did, yeah. and, oh. then, and then, I'm sure the players get you, but there was an immediate opportunity in which to strike back and, and you took it. So it, it all ends happily. That's true actually yeah. yeah. Um,
2: it was a funny couple of minutes I'd say, uh, you know the ball had been, the, the move had been executed perfect um, and like it honestly couldn't have gone any better and then... Uh, I think I was celebrating from when you yeah, hit the way to lane lane <laughs> slowed down, everyone kind of slowed down and I was like oh sweet I'm in front of the line and uh, I don't know it just Kinda had a bit of a I think
1: what you've done is you've fun. gone I could put this down, but there's two and a half thousand people here. Let's try and step the last man. Yeah,
2: no, I got a lot of stick against pirates when <laughs> I scored in the corner and they complained I didn't run it close enough to the post. So yeah. that was one thing going through. So my you're head. just trying to you're just trying to help guys. <laughs> I'm actually do, I'm actually doing what I was told to help to out get better. Yeah, yeah, help on kick. <laughs> so if anything I was trying to do the better thing. Uh, and I was also blowing a bit it was a pretty tough game so like going up the hill never an easy place to run up Um, and my legs kind of died on me at the same time so I had two things not going great for me Um,
1: and I fell over. I think that's honestly the range of emotions I went through in about two seconds was oh my god what a try oh my god you absolute (laughs) can't really say it what have you just done and then going He's face down chewing grass. I'll probably <laughs> cry. I've got to pick him back yeah, up. Here, so, uh, Elena
2: did pick me up. First one to say, come on, heads up, just get on with the next thing. Because uh, if he didn't, I'd probably be
0: in the dirt for a lot longer <laughs> but he, he's right in a way because the funniest thing and I speaking to young players about this one of the most difficult things in a sporting arena like that is to be able to compartmentalise put something away yeah. because you don't know when the next opportunity is going to come along and it wasn't long before you were in the opposite corner That's throwing true, an yeah. audacious offload over the top of your head to someone who only you seemed to know was there
2: yeah I know that again that something worked out very well for me Huli put the Perfect kick in again, and uh, I knew I had to just make up for the silly thing I just done. So uh, I just literally gave it everything, balls out, chased it, and I kind of hoped someone was there. And luckily, Oscar was there,
1: and I, it. <laughs> It's one of those times where no one really went to Oscar. Everyone just ran to Magic and was yeah. like, "After that, you owed us that." Like, well, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think everyone, every, everyone, and their intelligent rugby crowd at Bedford. They they all knew the the, the, the narrative that was going on there, and yeah. um, bless him, Oscar, um, yeah, dotted it down. But it was uh, it, it it was a nice moment, and I, I I don't want to bring it up for any other reason than just to say ah. that sport can occasionally, and it is important, isn't it? You know, from a from a professional point of view, the ability. To deal with real lows in a game, especially like rugby, which can at any time give you an opportunity, you can't be dwelling on it. You can't. You can't be. You can't be negative about I it. I think that's what, like I said to you and a lot of boys, we talk about a lot is next job.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those um, nothing you can do. You can sulk about it, but it's gone. You can't change it. And it's we just said some magic. Like you know, now make up for it, sort of thing. And like you've already said. You, a real bit of skill from Will and then awesome from Magic and instantly you've, you're then a hero again, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's if you sulk about it for five minutes, yeah. things are only going to get worse. You might miss a tackle, they might score. So like you said, there's, there's not really a lot of time to mope around about it.
2: Yeah, it's just lucky we won in the <laughs> end. <laughs> that, uh, cause yeah, it's true. I, when it went forgotten. through my mind, if we'd lost, then I'd been in a pretty dark place and then we won eventually and... Uh, Went back into the change room and it was almost like, uh,
0: you idiot. You <laughs> would have been even more of a yeah. sap than you already <laughs> are. <laughs> but it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I kind of make allusion to that in the original statement. It, sport, sport is weird. And, and at the start of the season, in the rut we would have found ourselves... It, it would have come to pass that we we, we wouldn't have won that game, so, something yeah. else would have happened, but because of where we were and the mentality of those around us and it's almost contagious isn't it? you know you, you sort of believe you you'd done it the, the week before you, you knew how to to grind yourself out of it and I would guess that the the Doncaster game coming up that is the biggest Plus point that Bedford have. It's not the skill of the players; it's the mindset of those players, having having won two really good games at home on the bounce. The third one comes on, and if Doncaster press us, we know we've got it in the locker. Yes, yeah. um, I think it's it's one of them.
1: Is We talk we talk a lot about sort of special moments and good tries, but you look in that Coventry game. I think we had a four oh, yeah. or five minute defensive set, sort of on our twenty-two, and it ended up with I think it was a knock-on or a turnover or something. And
0: they just went laterally,
1: yeah, didn't they? Yeah, and then yeah. they, they went, go for a, one yard went for a drop goal on the 40-metre yeah. line and then carried on again. And it was just the, like you said, the commitment of the boys. I think coming back to the start of the year, that's probably, probably we had more to prove to each other than anyone else. You know, fans entitled all their own opinions and you can you can go dark and look on the forums and you know hear what they're saying. And But ultimately, it's about looking around the room and going, you know, we'll... As Huli likes to say, we'll go to dark places for you. Um, and yeah, that for me probably won us the game more than any, any tries, the, the bum slaps, and the you know pats on the backs after that set. And um, like you said, I think now it's you sort of you've got that confidence knowing that we've we've been there, we've we've sort of ground those games out against good teams, you know, top half the table teams, um, which then sort of back in the last year, very likely or almost definitely would have lost. Um, so yeah, it's kind of getting back to that. We don't sort of fear anyone, you know. Um, and just no matter who we're playing, we sort of back ourselves to, and you trust your, your mates that they're going to be on the same page and putting those sorts of shifts for you as well. Hi, it's Dean Adamson here. You're listening to the Bedford Blues podcast.
3: This is 20 questions, grill with will with Dan Tem. Nickname? Uh, Timmy. Position? A back row. Left or right? Right. Light blue or dark blue? Dark blue. Flowers or chocolates? Chocolates. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. In or out? Out. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Hugs or kisses? Hugs. Bits or no bits? Bits. Rock or more Rocking. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Martin Johnson or Johnny Wilkinson? Oh, both terrible options. Uh, we'll go Martin. <laughs> Red or brown? Uh, brown. Deal or no deal? Deal. Christmas or birthday? Christmas. Morning or evening? Mornings. Nike or Adidas?
0: That's going to be Nike.
3: 101, Mike or Debra? Uh,
0: Mike. It's the Bedford Blues podcast, I'm here with Rich Lane and uh, Matt Worley. We're going to briefly talk about Six Nations, it's a bit of an odd one, because I think this is actually going to go out after the Six Nations plays, and we're talking beforehand. How so, good, So, ring so <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so what I want you to do is imagine what happens at the weekend. and talk. No, what I'm going to say is, if you can, and, and obviously you, you could be found to be soothsayers, you could be found to be the, the, the people who can foresee it and, and do it, or you could be drastically wrong. But uh, let's make it as easy as this. Um, Perhaps the most eye-catching game is at at Twickenham. England uh, looking for performance against Ireland. Ireland, um, obviously one of the former or form teams that are are currently in the Six Nations at the moment, seemingly able to win, although that game against Scotland did sort of push them quite hard. Um, How do you see uh, England at the moment? Is, uh, Is that performance element this weekend the most important thing? Eddie Jones has seen his team perform perhaps better than anyone else in the last year. That game against the All Blacks in the, in the Rugby World Cup was pretty formidable. Does he need to sort of get close to that sort of performance again? Whatever Ireland do, does he need to get a performance in, in place?
1: I think so. Like, Firstly, I couldn't believe that unbelievable try Johnny May scored for the weekend. How good was that here against Ireland? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's one of those, isn't it? Like, you know, ultimately, they had Probably disappointed in the World Cup final, but an unbelievable World Cup, especially against that that New Zealand team. Um, and I guess ultimately it's the start of another four-year cycle for those boys, where trying to bring in some young guys like George Furbank, um, Dingwall, all those guys that are in and around the squad. Um, so I guess yes, they you'd love to go out every week and play to the level you played or well, they played in that game against the All Blacks, but you know, sport sport is it doesn't really happen like that. Um, but yeah, I guess, like you said, Ireland are sort of probably a different beast from where they were at the World Cup with you know, Andy there now. And I guess ultimately, performance doesn't really matter when you're winning. Mm. But like you said, they're probably trying to build on things and they'll have their work ons and be looking for various things. Um, but yeah, it's probably, sport's about winning really, isn't it? So um, ultimately the bottom line is they want to go and beat Ireland at their home home ground in front of their home sort you of know, English fans. Um, but yeah, we, every player wants to put on a show, but you never know of rain and all that kind of stuff. Um, we like to say, you know, everyone would be like, we won by 50 points, but, you know, international rugby is not like that, is it? So, yeah, I don't, I don't know.
0: weather there's been a huge part of it. Um, Wales at home have the option of, of closing the roof against the French and, and perhaps doing something. They've, they've released their team. They look as though they're they're physically right for the, for the fight, Matt Worley. France have looked impressive though. They, they look a good side and uh, unbeaten at the moment. Um, can they go to, to Cardiff, do you think, and, and, and get a win? And if they can, how good a side are France? Um, I reckon they're going to
2: they probably get a good performance out and push Wales to the win, I reckon. I've said to a few people before the Six Nations, I reckon France got the best chance this year. They've got a very young squad. And obviously, with Sean Edwards coming in, we saw against England what a difference he made. So. I think weather-wise will play an effect, but the mentality the French had—if they keep that from the last two weeks for this weekend's game—I think they can really grind out a solid performance. They've got some very skillful younger backs and young forwards as well. Have, like um, what's your mates on there? One, one of my mates. Yeah, named <laughs> Rob. The second row, Boris Balu. Yep. Yeah, but nice. he's a very good player. And then they've obviously got their huge prop, Denver Bamba, who we all know from under twenties and top fourteen. He can definitely uh, shift some tin and all that. Um, so yeah, I think they've probably got the best performance um, already in the bag, which was against England. But you know, rugbys unpredictable. They might. Those, but don't think so. Well.
0: <laughs> and can I briefly talk to you about um, one of the stories coming out of the Scotland camp, which is around Finn Russell not being selected, not being, uh, not playing. He he's come out and suggested that that he and Gregor Townsend, the head coach, don't have a relationship. They, they don't really have a uh, a communication uh, process. Um, Townsend's responded by removing him from the team. In your experience, h- how difficult is it for players? If they don't get on with the coaching staff to try and to try and talk about that or, or put that forward, is there any recourse? Is there any way that, that players can do it? Or do I suppose the more prevalent question is: Is it right for Townsend to make that stand? Because rugby is such a team sport, is it right that Townsend make that claim and say, whoever you are, if you don't do what I want you to do, you you can't play?
1: It's a tough one, isn't it? I guess. Ultimately,
0: yeah, you're right. He probably, as the head coach, has
1: to make that stand. And if he sort of lets that slide, then I, I guess there's you have sort of like we've got it here. We've got a fine system just to try and you know if you if you have nothing, then ultimately it goes to chaos and people are pulling in different directions. It doesn't really work. So from his point of view, I guess he has to. He doesn't really have another option. Um, but you know, if, I don't really know much of the details about it, but. There's a lot of talk recently about sort of characters going out of the game and everyone being really PC and sort of saying, you know, like a scripted answer. And you look at Ellis Gend and stuff and, you know, the awesome interviews he does and stuff. And it's, it's refreshing to see. So I think, like I said, again, I don't really know too much about it. But I guess he's, Finn Russell's got to back himself. And the way, the way you know, it's come out, it's not ideal for anyone. It's probably a, probably a lose-lose for both because, you know, there's no doubt Scotland are a better team with him him in it um, and he obviously wants to be playing for his country so you know I don't, I don't think anyone necessarily wins but there are times I mean, you-
0: the ultimate situation is of course Gregor Townsend's the one who loses his job if, if Scotland don't play very well Pin Russell doesn't he, yeah, he, yeah. he can still be selected so He's got to respect that process, is not he? As a head coach, you're the one who's got to make the decisions.
2: Yeah, it's true. But I think now that he's obviously not in the Scotland camp, he's got not a point to prove, but he can kind of almost a bit of like rubbing it in his face a bit. If he's tearing up on the weekends at wrestling and stuff, it's almost like you should have picked me regardless of of the tension and all that. And from what I've, from a few mates back in Paris, they say that Finn's like, a class bloke, he's not one of those people that makes it all about him or Mm. pulls a tantrum and like maybe the way media portrayed him a little bit, he's actually very much for the team, a bit of a joker and like he wants everyone to succeed and the team to do best so again I think it's, it's pretty tough what Townsend, the decision Townsend had to make but ultimately like you said Finn Russell's not the one that's losing as much.
0: And they've, they've, they've got their work out Italy this weekend showed a lot more about themselves against France. Um, could be tricky. Do, do you see Scotland potentially pulling that out the fire? You like to think so, would not you? I think Italy are always well, they're sort of always near the bottom
1: of the table, but they are a potential banana skin. you need like, like, Italy to get a win at least. Yeah, it's good to see that. But I don't know. I guess from our point of view, we hope sort of our, our mate Rory Hutchinson gets on. It'd be nice to see him getting some international game time. But um, yeah, it's one of them where do do you rotate the squad? Do you give lads a rest? There's talk of, you know, whether it's Georgia or having sort of people dropping out of the Six Nations and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, for the competition, you'd like to see Italy get a win, um, make it more competitive. But I think if Scotland turn up how they can, i only see them winning, to be honest.
0: Let's talk about something completely different. Let's talk about preconceptions of rugby players. Now this got me thinking because I was having a conversation about a completely different sphere of life and and, and people having, when they announced that they did this particular role uh, to a group of people that there was an immediate preconception. Now it made me think, are there any preconceptions about rugby players that you think well that's not right that's not fair I mean do, do you do you ever get into conversations where somebody says oh what do you do and you say I'm, I'm a professional rugby player and they go oh what do they say what do they say when you say that I think you kind of get the
1: I don't know how it is you get the pre- preconceived idea that you know especially sort of myself and Ed I don't know if you know, we're massive TV stars now on Supermarket
0: Sweep, um, <laughs> huge show I that did, went out. I did um, see that. I mean, that was that was big. I mean, so you we, did very um, well. You didn't didn't quite make no. I, I the gold, was gold medal. Still, still looking
1: for the cat food. I messed
0: that up. Yeah. But, um, okay.
1: Yeah, we kind of.
0: That's a whole. That's a whole new podcast. Yes, yeah. we won't talk about <laughs> but that But it was right
1: it now. was on that subject. It's funny when it came out. We sort of we probably filmed it for about three hours, and confirmed comedy gold for myself and Ed. Like absolutely. Outstanding, Some of our best work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when the actual final edit came out, they very much <clears throat> played into the narrative of pretty thick, stupid oh. rugby players. Um, oh. Oh, a laugh? lot of world-class banter was cut out, you know. And I guess it's made... Really complex their, jokes. You make oh, really, really sort of... <laughs> yeah, maybe too topical, you know, <laughs> too on trend. Um, but yes, and then another one, it's a funny one. <laughs> In this line of work, you probably say, oh, you know, what did you do for rugby? Oh, you play rugby, you know... Um, that's really cool what are you doing after that or (laughs) what's your plans for life after rugby and I think it's a weird one isn't it because it's obviously everyone's you know trying to look out for you and you know it's a short career but I probably wouldn't go up to an investment banker or a lawyer and be like oh that's really cool what are you doing what's your plans after that (laughs) and straight away like you know you obviously got to have something lined up Um, so I don't know give us something magic I don't know if it's a preconception
2: but sometimes you just feel a bit Uncomfortable or very different to other people. So if you're like in a group of or a situation and they're all academic and all that, and they're like try and make a conversation with you about rugby, but they obviously know nothing, and it's probably reverse as well. You don't know much about what they do. Um, so it, it can put you in I think a bit of a difficult situation because you just share
1: not a great deal in common your work uh, Magic's girlfriend cures cancer so oh, um, yeah. right, very different circle of knowledge Exa- So that's where I was kind of leading to when well, we socialise with them it's a bit don't really have well yeah. not really a lot to say well, is it? ev- every day when I pick her up from work, <laughs> I
2: work. yeah I did this 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 tackled four I... blokes <laughs> today it was class what do you do oh yeah, cure cancer
1: exactly
2: <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a bit of a gap um, intelligence gap and all that so uh I was alluding to that, it's, <laughs> sometimes you find yourself in a bit of a sticky situation.
0: Do, um, do, do do people ever make assumptions about what it must be like to be a rugby player, do, do, do ever, anyone gets that drastically wrong, has everyone ever sort of thought that you know you, you are doing certain things which just yeah. isn't the case, would, would, would that be fair to say?
1: I think you get a lot of sort of, especially when you get you know guys maybe at the, whether it's Bedford or all over, grounds all over the country. Um, had a few beers after a game, you know, you get the classic, back in my day, or you get the oh, classic, yeah. mm-hmm. why did you kick to the corner? Me. Or, you know, yeah, if I didn't break my leg, I would have done this, and, I don't know, it's, I guess it's, the nature of what we do is everyone has an opinion, and you're there to sort of be judged, and, you know, on how you play, and it's mm-hmm. a very kind of, you have a good game, everyone will be like, well played, well played, you have a bad game, no one talks to you. Or, like I've had, for example, I stood at the bar with a a fine gentleman, Um, probably switched him for about 10 minutes, bought me a pint, lovely guy, and at the end of the conversation was like, lovely to speak to you Dino, I'll catch you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've probably had, generally, (laughs) probably had about 10 times in my Bedford career. Well played Dino, um, let me get you a beer, which obviously I'm not going to correct them because they're buying me a beer, so it is what it is. Um, But yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? It's kind of People judge you on how you played almost, I suppose. I so yeah.
2: really, have I, you been mistaken for anyone, Matt? Uh, I got mistaken for Charlie Reid once. Oh, uh, nice. The groundman once said to, or sorry, the gate, uh, person working at the gate said to Charlie as he walked in, oh, good luck today, hopefully you get some more tries today, Matt. Wasn't Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. Um, but then I also get the, the often one I get is, oh, don't you have to be quite big for rugby and
1: all that? Oh yeah. yeah that, 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 hurts, that hurts a lot. You get a lot of the, the best start, you get the, oh, well played today, mate, and you are. Didn't play, but yeah, cheers. Yeah, that. Like you've been you know, at Prem Club more recently, but the amount of times you get, oh, well played today, and you're like, haven't played for six months, but yeah, <laughs> really appreciate that, mate. Cheers. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah. <laughs> you and go home, like,
2: oh, what's the point? <laughs> I think it's the same, I don't know, maybe not so much here, but when you, again, at the Prem Club, when you do the community things, so, here.
1: so who are you and
2: <laughs> what do you play? No, they don't actually have any idea what who position you are. are you? Have,
0: you ever, have you ever had anyone sort of come and ask for your autograph? And then and then, sort of ask you who you are or what are the, does, does anything happen like that? Because I, I'm assuming that kids obviously come up to you and, you know, sort of get I an autograph moment. So any autograph awkwardness? I think they're just more excited to get the
2: autograph in the first place okay. as opposed to who it's from. Um, we used
1: to have a, um, at Bath, you know, in the programme, you have the squad, squad list with all the pictures. So you get kids coming up to you, oh, can you, can you sign this? And you have to turn two pages to the right where it says <laughs> Academy. <laughs> and, then, and then their faces just drop. And you're like, do you still want me to sign this? And they're like, oh, well, we're here now. So <laughs> there you are. Cheers. <laughs> That's oh, another low moment, yeah. <laughs> Humbling.
0: <laughs> hey Worthington I'm in Adachin Bedford Blues podcast. What's the
4: best bit about supporting the Blues? It's a proper rugby club, I think. Um, so yes, family club encourages families to support it. Um, history. Um,
2: it's within the town centre. It's part. It's part of the community. Part of the town. Um, passionate players. Good players. Good coaches. Good entertainment. Really.
5: The best bit about supporting the Blues, um, being with friends, people that um, I've made friends with over the years, who you know obviously have a similar interest, common interest. Um, yeah, it's a friendly atmosphere, nice atmosphere. It keeps me off the streets and out of mischief.
4: <laughs> What's your favourite memory of a Blues match? Uh, I think most Blues supporters would go back to the the um, Cup final at
2: Twickenham. Uh, where we beat Plymouth, Plymouth Albion. Uh, fantastic day. Took most of Bedford down with us. Yeah. Dozens and dozens of coaches. Yeah, fantastic day. Fantastic party after.
4: <laughs> That's an easy one. That is the play, uh, the playoff match at Worcester. Um, when nobody thought we had it. Nobody thought we had a chance, and we were ri- winning right up to the last um, couple of minutes, and it was just so exciting. All the Worcester fans were yeah. biting their nails. We couldn't believe it because we thought we were going to win. Um, and afterwards, the Worcester fans came up to us and said, "Actually, um, you were the better. You were the better team."
3: What makes Goldington Road
4: so special? Everything. Absolutely everything, the slope on the pitch, because the other the other teams don't like that. Um, It's an old-fashioned, traditional rugby club, and there aren't very many left. A lot of clubs play in large stadiums, um, which are hollow and. Um, have no atmosphere and the atmosphere at to Road is always electric and
3: final question if it was taken away from you what would you miss the most?
5: everybody associated everybody associated with it um, what would I do on a Saturday? It's <laughs> a fair point um, yeah I think I think it's you know the whole, I was saying to Jane earlier the, you know the whole sort of ethos around the place and, you know, the, um, the, yeah, the friendliness, the, the, the fact that people care. I mean, since I've been living on my own and I've, I've got a whole group of friends, that are Bedford Rugby friends, mm. and, and that's made a hell of a lot of difference to me. It's, you know, it's helped me as a person and, and I think, yeah, I'd miss it.
0: Um, what's been uh, talking about fans because we, we, we've got some audio uh, you know Bedford Blues fans they are they are truly wonderful they're, And but they're also pretty unique as well and, and they and they follow you everywhere and, and you know love you dearly but there must have been some some classic when you talk about fan interactions there a bloke having a pipe with you and and then calling you by the wrong name. Are there any, not necessarily Bedford, but are there any particularly interesting fan interactions that you've had down the years, some weird ones, that you can perhaps say without giving too much away? Under the Post is always a good one. Oh, yeah? I've had a few at, at Bedford, to be fair, where
1: we've probably conceded our third try in 10 minutes or whatever it is, yeah, yeah. and you get someone with, with a beer probably going, wake up, Bedford. This is the worst I've seen and I've been coming for 20 years. That's just nozz, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you turn around and you go, well, go home then. Right, like yeah. you know, obviously they pay their money; they want to see a good, good performance. But you know, you don't really want to be heckled under the post. And it's the wake-up one gets me because it's like, you know, what do you think we're trying to do? Like we're not, we haven't had a team talk. Be like, lads, i have got a great plan. <laughs> let's, let's concede three tries <laughs> and then try and win the game. And then the fans get annoyed, and then we'll all yeah. be heroes and we win. Um, but yeah, like everyone's entitled to their opinion, aren't they? But I don't know. It's
0: one of those. Oh, dear. Uh, the, the weirdest interaction I had was when I made my way round the, the ground after doing some, uh, doing a match, uh, and one bloke stopped me and said, "Are you the bloke who does the microphone?" And I said, yeah, he says, oh, really, quite frankly, you need to stop you know, sort, of <laughs> sort of saying these things during this. And he gave me this lecture on what I shouldn't be doing and how he, he obviously disliked what I did. Him to do about, about 100 yards further up, another bloke stopped me. and said, oh, Sam, uh, where I'm stood, I really can't hear what you're saying, and I'd really like to. And I felt like going back and saying, can you two just swap places? Because <laughs> one in, one it would be far better far better for you to stand there and not be able to hear me than for him to stand to some place that he can. Because yeah. obviously I'm annoying you. But it's, it is that weird thing that people... People are ever so keen to sort of like find you out and seek you out and and give you their opinion on it. Um, And I suppose it comes with that sort of idea of supporters paying their money. And sport gets it particularly. That sort of, it's like any other environment. um, When you buy something, a product, you don't feel as entitled as you do sometimes with sport and being a supporter. And the idea of, well, I support my club, therefore... I can tell you yeah. and, and social media as well creates yeah. a little bit of a dangerous environment for that and yeah. we've seen some interactions recently on social media um, and I suppose really where I'm pushing towards it is how do you cope with that because to a certain extent you can ignore it and like you said you can brush it off but, but after a while if someone is particularly sort of nasty and horrible to you it can get to you how, how, do, you, how do you deal with that? I think rugby fans are
1: It's a funny one where, like you said, obviously the horrible stuff, social media, especially in the last few weeks. And I think trolls is a different kettle of fish completely. I think the funny thing about sports fans and rugby fans is they're not afraid to say it to your face. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they've sort of bought their ticket, they'll turn up. If they want to call you useless, they're probably going to shout, You're useless. Or maybe not as polite as that. Put it down but, over the line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, we don't still, <laughs> <laughs> But then, you, you, like you said, you do that and then you score another try and it's probably the same people then cheering mm. and sort yeah. of, you know, and, you know, you, you can have a good season, bad season. Like, you know, I've had, you know, personally really enjoyed my season last year and had a, you know, felt like I had a real good season, but then was out for six or seven weeks this season with my hamstring and you almost... You don't feel forgotten you're not asking for sympathy but it's like the highs and lows you how quickly things move on and coaches you know less so here because we've got such a small squad. but you know you will know magic from the Prem Club but say you get injured you're you're almost it's like you're not there for yeah. mm-hmm. two start, three start months starting again basically starting fresh mm-hmm. you know, work your way back up and all that yeah and, and I guess from the coach's point of view you're not there you're not in there thinking they need to get results they need to win so mm-hmm. you're irrelevant as soon as you're fit Okay, it's you know it's different, but I guess you manage it, and it's kind of understanding that sport is pretty fickle, really. Um, and you see it all the time when people retire. You know, have a have a big sort of um, testimonial, whatever it's called. You know, how are we gonna how are we gonna sort of do without this player who's been amazing? And then suddenly someone's playing in that position, and the fans are chanting yeah. for them, and, and you realise actually things just move on. And I guess it's the same in every aspect of life, um, and it's probably. Bedford's really good for not taking things too seriously. You know, I think the nature of how we run things and how Mike sort of creates the culture. It's kind of, you want to win every game, but it's not, rugby's not the be-all and end-all. There's life to, more than more to yeah, life definitely. than rugby, sorry. Um, so yeah, I just think you take it with a pinch of salt, don't you, I think.
0: Do you notice the, the, the difference, you know, sort of being in the different clubs you've been involved with, Um Matt? I definitely think the fans
2: here are probably the best I've played with, or played for and all that, because they're, definitely the most vocal, but um, even when we were going through that patch of a pretty poor performance and all that that time, they were still, you still got your same few that would be there every week shouting like, come on, it's fine, like next week's going to be the new week and all that. And I think that's what kind of spurs us on as well. And we were saying for the last couple of weeks that Mike was trying to really engage us with the community aspect of the club and when it originated, what, how it originated and all that to like remind us why we're playing for them etc and all that. So I think, like you've said, they are some of the best fans and when we are winning it's a bloody nice place to play in front of, people to play in front of.
1: Retweet. I agree
2: with yeah. that, but yeah, like no, like Magic said, like I had
1: some sort of messages on Facebook from various fans when we I think we'd lost nine in a row, and it was like um, we're all behind you, we're with you, like you know, and obviously it's that thing, isn't it? Recognising the club's bigger than than any of us, and we'll move on, and you know, and those a lot of fans have been with the club for 30, 40, 50 years, and. It's just nice to know that those sorts of people are supporting you regardless and they all I think here especially they just generally want to see you do well and yeah. they like good people don't they and sort of especially the followers you know you see like at the weekend especially the whole coach load of fans going down to Ealing which probably doubles their Pirates capacity, away. But Pirates, Pirates Way is always away. good
2: to see a few people there I think they start the three day Booze mm. on, don't they? but um, yeah the sleeper down you
0: know, from Paddington all the way <laughs> down there <Yeah. laughs> beautiful but come into an event like this and we're going to go outside and, and speak to the kids as well but that must be you what it's all about as well you know they, they they don't care sometimes for these kids they don't really mind they, they still treat you like wonders. Uh, so, uh, mm. should we go outside and have a chat to them? Do we have to? Yeah, we do. Come Coats on, on, on then, come on. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> We're outside uh, Bedford Ath on the synthetic surface. We've come outside to uh, spend some time with some of these kids taking part in the Bedford Blues uh, uh, Development Camp. Who do we have here? Introduce yourselves.
3: Um, I'm Ellie. Ellie. Evie. And I'm Thomas.
0: Thomas. Now, you've all been enjoying yourselves. This is the third day you've been here? Yeah,
3: third
0: day. And, and, and have you enjoyed yourselves? You look very wet and a bit cold. Is it yeah. a bit like that?
3: <laughs> yeah. It has been.
0: <laughs> it's really cold. Have you learnt anything?
3: I know how to kick a ball now. <laughs> Suck to that.
0: And, and as regards you, have you played rugby before you came down here?
3: Uh, yeah, I play for Bedford Blues Juniors Rugby club.
0: And how much have you learnt this week?
3: Uh, I've learnt um, how to get better at my tackling and the tackle technique.
0: And would you recommend coming along? I mean, uh, there's a few girls down here. Would you recommend other girls enjoying themselves with rugby?
3: Yeah, definitely. Even if you don't, play rugby. It's still just fun to take part and just have fun playing it, to be
0: honest. That was a good answer, wasn't it? Right. You three, come over here for a second. Uh, we're going to bring in, these are two live rugby players. Now, I think you may have met them before. Matt Wally live. and, and but live rugby players. Real ones, real, <laughs> in not the in the flesh. Rich Lane is here as well. Now, they do this as a living. They, do, they, they are professional rugby players. They get paid, not very much, but they get paid to do this. So, have you got any questions for a professional rugby player?
3: If you want to proceed as a rugby player in the future, is there any advice you would give to help you get better?
0: Good question. Oh, very
2: good question. Um, lots of dedication, commitment to trainings, um, and you've got to put the work in, you know, to get better in your own time. That's a key one, I
0: think. Very good. Have you got a question?
3: Would it always be a reliable career?
0: Oh, is it a reliable career? That's very topical. Um, Probably awkward this week. Um, <laughs>
1: sort of Um, yeah it depends how good you are but well however good you are you're not going to play past 35 maybe so have some stuff behind the scenes studying or whatever it is good answer
3: is it very hard to play play professionally
1: it is so tough Um, we've done so well (laughs) no it is in all seriousness Um, but it's also a lot of fun You're running around with your mates like you guys are today um Tackling each I pass around. So yeah, ultimately, it's probably well. It's the dream, really, isn't it?
0: And and so, any any part of this week that's made you think that rugby is going to play more of a part in your in your future? Do you think you're going to give it more of a go this uh, after this week?
3: Yeah, yeah. it's been a good season. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just enjoyable. Like it's just it's just good to have fun, and you just even though you do training every week, it's just good to like learn a bit more and keep going
0: that's a very good answer well done last word to you what would you say to people if they were thinking about coming down to these development camps
3: um, I'd definitely say it's a good because it's not like a proper training session it's more fun and but you're still learning skills on how to get better at rugby Well, that's all we have time for for this episode of the Bedford Blues podcast. Thank you to everybody who contributed to this episode, but most importantly, thank you to you for listening. See you soon at Golden Road, but for now there's only one more thing to say. Come on, you blues.